It's time now for Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based family-owned financial planning firm providing investment and financial planning advice since 1983. Doug and Deborah are certified financial planners, CFPs, who can answer any of your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now at 919-860-9783 with your financial planning questions. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. And we are the Lewis family, ready to answer your questions tonight. This is Linda Lewis, and thank you for joining us on Money Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF. And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. We- you know, we get a lot of questions about when and how someone should start investing. And this is a topical issue because whether or not you're young or just coming to the retirement question late in life, you need to know how to get started. Wasn't there an interesting article, Deborah, that came out about why I should invest at all? There really was. It said, over the last few years, I've spoken with many people who have never invested in anything. And I think we hear that story infrequently, but we'll hear uh, people say that the reasons vary. Some say it's because of a lack of knowledge or a feeling of intimidation and fear of the economy. All too often we'll hear, I'm young, I'll worry about investing later, or I'd rather use my money to buy things, or I don't have enough money to invest at all. Why bother get started? Yeah, the uh, unfortunately, the ostrich head in the sand approach isn't the best financial planning. And you realize that when you reach the stage when it's too late to go back and do it. But what many people fail to understand is that if you begin investing early enough, your money will actually work for you due to the value of compounding returns. I'll give you an example. Take a 20-year-old who begins investing with $5,000 at an average 8% annual return. He could have approximately $160,000 by the time he retires. Compare that to a 40-year-old who would only have about $40,000 instead of $160,000 at retirement. Big difference. Big difference. That's the difference of this matter of time and compounding returns. Here's another way of looking at it. Let's say you spend a dollar a day on soda. That comes to $365 a year. Instead of spending your money on soda, why don't you put that 365 into an investment that earns 5% a year? Your $365 investment can grow now to a little more than $460, $470 in those same five years. Now, in 30 years, you'll have saved more than $1,500. With that little $1 a day on With soda. With that little $1 a day. So add some zeros, as Linda always says. That's, That's the right. only difference. That's right. Even if you invest conservatively over time, long-term compounding will allow you to reap tens of thousands of dollars in benefits. Simply put, you want to invest in order to create wealth. That's the biggest misconception people have that it won't do anything for you. It creates wealth. 
So it's a painless activity. The rewards can be long-lasting and plentiful for things like retirement and education or savings for future generations. But the common misconception is it's not going to do anything for you. That's wrong. Absolutely. Whatever you decide to do, make your money work for you. Stuffing money under the mattress or putting money in a savings account will not mitigate the impact of inflation over time because of low interest rates. While investing in stocks and mutual funds may introduce your funds to risk, you stand to outpace the rate of inflation until you reach retirement age. Your savings account, on the other hand, it's invested. It isn't invested in anything. Of course, you earn interest on your savings. But, Doug, as you say, you're growing broke safely. Yeah, because if inflation is growing at 3%, that means the cost of all the goods and services that you're buying, if that's growing at 3% and you're only making 1% on your money in the bank, then you are indeed Going broke safely. Your money is safe, but you can't buy the same amount of stuff that you used to be able to buy because it costs more. And unless a family member is leaving you a great deal of money in their will, Social Security and other benefits will not be a great source of retirement income. So my advice to you is get started in the right direction. Get Get in the right direction. And participate. <laughs> participate in whatever's available to you. Company retirement plans, IRAs, other 401k retirement plans, especially if companies match the funds. And even if you're new to investing, always think of ways to make your money work for you today. The best advice I can give you is call us. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919 919- USA 7000. We see the way we know how it works. We make it work for you. We have And we we'll help you answer why should you invest at all? That's because it. your financial future is at stake. That's exactly right, Deborah. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. Hi, Dan. This is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner. How can we help you this well, evening? Oh, good evening, Dan. Uh, 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 good, e- good evening. Uh, my wife and I, we have some uh, CDs, uh, some fixed annuities, and we're putting PODs on them and beneficiaries. And our understanding is if we do this, this will keep it out of our will, which will keep it out of probate. Is that correct? Uh, that's right. Yeah, it won't go through probate. Okay. Uh, the rest of our, our assets that we may have... Uh, we would like to fill out a simple will. No, wait a minute. Go back. You said the CDs. What else did you say you've got? Uh, a fixed annuity. Uh, that's a little tricky. Yeah, we'll come back to that one. Uh, but let me hear the rest of, of what you've got, and then we'll come back to that because annuities are different. Okay. And we are we're gonna we're gonna update our will, and we I I believe that. Uh, my understanding is uh, whatever beneficiaries we put on and and, uh, and PODs that we have listed, we'll keep it out of uh, out of the will, which will keep it out of probate because those are distributed first. And what uh, what could we put into a simple will uh, that we may have left over? You know? Well, Dan, let, let's start with what you have that would be. Um well, in two different areas. So the things that are non-retirement assets. Correct. Okay. We do have some retirement assets also. 
All right, well, let's take them one by one. What do you have in non-retirement assets? CDs and, uh, and annuities. All right, yeah, and how, how much is that worth? How much? About, oh, I don't know offhand. Uh, roughly. Well, what, do you have any idea, what, what, you know? Is it like 100000 or is it 80000 It's probably around a hundred, maybe. All right, so you've got 100000 in CDs and in annuities, and these are in an IRA? No, these are these are non-qualified. Oh, these are non-qualified. Okay, all right, 100000 non-qualified. Now, and how old are you, Dan? 69. You're 68. 68. All right, 68, and I presume you're married? Yes. And your wife is? Yeah, married, yeah. She's about the same age. All right, 68, 68. Okay, any dependents at home? No. Okay. All right. Now, what do you have in retirement accounts? Uh, probably about the same. Only about a hundred thousand. Yeah. All right. Now, your question is with regard to proper estate documents, with the purpose of having a complete estate plan. Is that is that basically what you're asking? That's correct. Okay. Uh, first of all, you do want to have uh, a will at sixty eight and sixty nine. I might consider revocable living trust because. There is a likelihood that you will not die, but that something happens to you. And the revocable living trust deals with what happens if you don't die, but you become disabled or incapacitated. Uh-huh. Uh, we, uh, once, once, most clients that come to see us after the age of 60, we're usually pretty, we're usually recommending the revocable living trust. And we would have, and I would say, without meeting, without knowing more about your personal world and the situations that I would ask you in my office, uh, I would put down two question marks, a revocable living trust for you and a revocable living trust for your wife. I don't like joint revocable living trusts. Then in addition, you do need a will. If you do the revocable living trust, then what you need is a simple pour over will. A pour over will says anything that I didn't put into the name of my revocable living trust, pour it over and follow the instructions over there. So it's usually a simple little one-page document. Okay? Okay. In other words, if you do your estate planning properly, and by the way, write down our phone number. Write down 919-872-7000. Right, 919-872-7000. Also, go to our website. The website is Doug. And Linda.com. Doug and Linda.com. Now, Dan, do you own your home? Yes. And what is the value of the home? Uh, 220, 230. Right. Okay. Any mortgage on the home? No. Okay. All right. So now we want, we want to have for sure a document that says what happens when I die. And if it's a revocable living trust, it has two sections to it. First, it has what if I am incompetent? I have a stroke, I have Alzheimer's, I have something. What happens to all the stuff that I that's in my revocable living trust in, the, in, in that situation? And then comes the second section that says, what happens to my stuff when I die? And that's the uh, that's the intestine that's the, uh, the, 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 the the provisions that look like a will, but really say where everything goes. All right now, in the event of a revocable living trust, there is no probate. They bypass probate. Everything owned by revocable living trust bypasses probate. Okay. All right. Now, then you need to have HIPAA authorizations for each of you. That's very crucial. HIPAA authorizations are the right to let that you give authorization, for example, to your wife if she 
wants to call the doctor and get your medical condition, get your medical records without HIPAA authorizations, then uh, it's a, it, it can be a real terrible situation. Well, we have we have that set up with all our doctors that we see that we're, we're totally. Uh, That's good. That's good. I like to see HIPAA authorizations uh, where you have given provisions. Do you have any children? No. Okay. So probably each to each other and maybe to a, a brother or a sister or somebody else that you want to have access. Let's say the two of you are both in an accident, car accident and neither of you. Uh, uh, or both of you are, are incapacitated. Exactly. Health uh, care power of attorney. Well, right, that's that's uh-huh. separate. No, that's separate. The oh, hip, okay. the, first, the HIPAA authorizations. Okay. All right. That's to get in medical information. Now we come to the health care power of attorney, and each of you should have health care powers of attorney. And this is the one, yes, where you give the right to your spouse typically to make medical decisions for you, increase uh, medication, decrease it, too much morphine, reduce the morphine. To override the doctor, you are giving the power of attorney to make medical decisions to uh, to your uh, your power, your attorney. In fact, usually it's the spouse, and it may be someone else. In my own case, I've also given them to my children. I have clients in my office. Very often, they say I'd like also it to be given to someone else, and so on. Then you need living wills. Living wills are the documents that says we want to have uh, artificial life support removed. I understand that. Yes. Okay, we have that also. All right. So once we've gotten revocable living trust. Pour-over wills, HIP authorizations, durable power, uh, medical powers of attorney, and living wills, you have one more, which is a durable power of attorney. Now, the durable power of attorney is the one, it doesn't have to do with your, uh, uh, with your medical condition, but it has to do with, um, let's say that you need someone to sign your tax return. Mm-hmm. Or your Social Security check. All right, this is the power of attorney. That's not the medical power of attorney. This is called a durable power of attorney. It endures beyond incapacitation. Have you seen the Lewis Financial Management website? It's easy to get to DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. All right. Once you've got those those items in place, we'll come back to your question because some things are not touched. And that is anything that has a beneficiary designation on it, the will does not touch it. As a matter of fact, the beneficiary, you could say, for example, that I leave my, um, uh, my annuity to my, my wife, but the beneficiary designation on the annuity might say it's going to your brother. And the will is of no use. So the annuity has a, has an, an, a beneficiary attached to it. So does your uh, qualified, your IRA and your 401ks. Yep. Mm-hmm. So no matter what happens with regard to your wills and your revocable living trust, the other items that have beneficiary designations, that supersedes. Okay, that goes, that's been distribu- distributed first. Well, it goes according to what is not. It's not necessarily a um, a sequence. No, I, I, I didn't mean sequence, but it, it totally it's totally separate from the will. That's right. That's what I, That's exactly right. That's what I meant. To All say. right. Now let's go to the annuities. Okay. All right. The annuities. You said. Uh, you said they're fixed. Have you annuitized them? No. All right. So. And that's one of the things when you if you when you come to meet with with, with, with me and you wrote down our office number. I have a yeah. right. When you come to meet with me, I'm going to go over that a little more closely because I'm not sure if you understand or if you should have the fixed annuity. Uh, 
Generally, annuities are, in my opinion, not very useful unless they have been annuitized. And if they haven't been, then you're paying money to insurance companies, which you may not need to be doing. But again, it would be we, we would want to start with looking at what are your living expenses. Do you know what your living expenses are running, Dan, approximately? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> no. Uh. We're going to start when we do financial planning in our office, we start with the, the needs of the client. Now, are you still working, Dan, or are oh, you retired? Oh, I'm retired. He's you're retired. both retired. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're collecting... I've been retired for 15 years. Right. Oh, and wonderful. You're, and you're both receiving Social Security. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Okay. All right. I think that's as far as we'll go at the, on the air, so I don't get too personal. But we will want to go ahead, and meet, when we meet with you, we will uh, want to get a list of your uh, your living expenses as best we can. We'll send you a form to help you fill it out. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And then we'll also want to see a copy of your tax return uh, and the statements of your assets. And then from there, we can give you our real recommendations that are specific. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anything else while we got you on the phone, Dan? Uh, mm, uh, as far as PODs that, that, that the banks, uh, the banks uh, require, the information that they require, and this is new to me because... Now they want people's, uh, the beneficiaries, or a POD, social security numbers. And some people are kind of reluctant to let loose with that information. Not that they don't trust me, but it's just that they just, you know, it might get lost. Uh-huh. Uh, so this kind of puts the dampers on. If you do it the way I recommended, you won't need any TODs. Hmm. Because they'll be owned by revocable living trusts. Okay, okay, I, I see where you're. And the social and the, the the tax ID number of the of the trust is your social security number. Okay. So there is so there there is nothing you you, you there is no in other words the trust takes the place of the TOD provisions. Mm-hmm. So you have the privacy factor. I'm aware of that. That stays out of probate, correct? It stays, everything stays out of probate, and also at your death, no one knows what your heir, your spouse inherited. Okay, all right. Otherwise, they would? Yes. Anything that you own that is owned outright that goes through probate is public knowledge. Oh, that goes through probate, okay. Well, even if it, yeah. Uh, If you... If it's owned by you at your death, then it's it's public knowledge. It can be it can be retrieved. What's owned by a trust cannot. Okay, I understand. TOD simply says I own it, and on my death it goes to so and so. But that doesn't mean that uh, it's still not public knowledge. Okay, all right. And Dan, any other questions that you might have, feel free to write them down either on a notebook or on your computer, and. Um, Give us a call at the office. Our number in Raleigh again is 919-872-7000. Yeah, you got it. Thank you, Dan. Right in front of me, Linda. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling this evening. Well, thank you, and thank you also, Doug. All right. Thank Have a wonderful week. You're sure welcome, Dan. Week. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. Now, you know, I'm thinking uh, that we had a client who came in this past week with another interesting story, and that was the, what we call the RMD story. That's 
there is a big penalty there if you don't take money out of your <laughs> yeah. IRA yeah. or your yeah, 401k. And, and, and this is a dear story because – Isn't this wonderful? Yeah, yeah absolutely because well, we're, we were having the annual review and he jokingly said now that he's early 80s and he had come to us before he'd even started his RMD and he had said, you know, what's really kind of funny about this IRA is – Well, talk about the RMD first, Deb. Okay. I don't think I don't think many people uh, can quickly sure. grab what is the RMD. Sure. So RMD stands for Required Minimum Distribution. And that required minimum distribution is a withdrawal that you must, must take from an IRA once you have reached – Age 70 and a half. If you do not withdraw enough money annually from your IRA because it's untaxed income, there is a 50% penalty on that amount that's not withdrawn. So now we got a 50% penalty. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> so there's and a pretty big incentive to take out the right amount. To make sure amount. that you get out the right amount. Right. And that right amount is called? Your required minimum distribution. Okay. You can take out as much as you would like that's in excess of that. Okay. So but this client, least, yes. he came to us a number of years ago, and yep. when he hit 70 and a half, of yes, course, sir. we helped him establish, establish his required um, minimum distribution. That's right. So that he wouldn't have this 50% penalty. Correct. And it was about a half million dollars at the time that he set it up. Correct. And now year by year by year by year. Yep. He's taking out the required minimum distribution, which, by the way, is bigger every year, usually. <laughs> well, this is where the chuckle comes in. He made the observation, this IRA should have been, by definition, untaxed income that would be getting smaller, depleting if you were taking out money and having it taxed for the first time. Do you remember his question to me? He said... Am I right or wrong, Doug? Isn't this designed – how do they compute this thing? Isn't it designed in such a way that it's supposed to go down to zero and Correct. deplete all the way down? That's exactly what he asked. And he said, well, how could mine have started at about a half million and it's still there at about a half million and we've taken out a quarter right. of a million? Right, right. So – and this is what you always say. The, the the chicken house or the thing holding the chickens inside of it is a very big distinction. So you you must take out a required minimum amount of chickens from this IRA. But if the chickens themselves, the investments inside this IRA are growing, getting fatter at a higher rate than the withdrawal, then yes, like many of our clients, the IRA will not deplete. It will maintain. That's right. And this is pretty powerful because in many per- people's lives, like this gentleman's, it's not needed to live off of. And what did he want to happen at his death to this IRA? If indeed it continues to either hold the same or get bigger, what did he want to happen right. to it? He wanted this to be inherited by both of his children. So now let's compare it to an annuity. An All annuity right. also has the same 70 and a half provisions. And let's say that you were getting your RMD from your annuity as it is annuitized. Okay. All right. Now, now what happens? As it's annuitized. That's right. Okay. What happens at death then? Well, you have just disinherited those children. You can, there's nothing left. There's nothing left there's to give to your There's nothing left. Heirs. You have just given it all to the insurance company, and there is nothing at all to go to the children or even to your wife. That's correct. So the beauty of the of knowing how these rules work and the investments inside the IRA, 
There's nothing it says that they can't be growing faster than the RMD is taking it out. And that's exactly what most of our clients are experiencing. And I believe part of the, the beauty or the, the, the joy in, in this particular client's portfolio is that he had the liquidity factor that he needed in his particular situation. And, you know, if you purchase an annuity, you don't have that liquidity factor, right? That's right. That's Especially the one, once yeah, it you starts give, annuitizing. That's exactly right. You, you, that's what you sign. You agree that I will have nothing left at the end if I take the maximum out now to meet my RMD, then that's the end of the game. And if you are ready to have an appointment at Lewis Financial Management, you've got some questions on your mind. Maybe uh, you're the stay-at-home mom or maybe you're a homemaker and or maybe you've recently become widowed and you have questions about your situation or you would like a second opinion about your portfolio. Call us at Lewis Financial Management, LLC. We're in Midtown Raleigh. We'll be happy to schedule an appointment with you. Leave your number or call us. Our number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Well, Doug, Linda, there are some steps that people might want to know on how to clarify financial plans. Yeah, you know, first of all, we need to always be keeping it simple and understandable. That's the key. Now, there's no shortage of wealth management advice, but parsing through true, unconflicted advice from marketing is not an easy task. And even figuring out how to assimilate good advice has its own challenges. So there really are, I would say, three steps to framing a plan. Linda, what would be step number one? Well, it's important to identify the personal goals and the amount of wealth that would be needed so that you can achieve your goals. And goals as falling into one of three categories. The first covers your necessities, such as a safety net in case of unemployment or illness, and what would be required to cover the basics, such as shelter um, at an expected level. And we like to think of that as the emergency fund, right? Correct. The second covers things that are important, such as your lifestyle or education costs for your children. So those would be your monthly expenses, right? Or those uh, recurring monthly monthly expenses, expenses, like your mortgage. Uh, And then the third category is aspirational. Those are the things that we that our dreams are made of such as philanthropy, gifting, traveling, owning a business. All of these things are categories of things that we want to accumulate wealth to cover. Yeah, and that's the first step. The first step is thinking about the goals in the manners that we've just described. That's the most important thing is to start with the goals. And also, this will help us set a minimum floor and uh, and a stretch goal for what you will ultimately need uh, financially. Now, let's pause for a moment and take a caller. I think Joe's on hold. Let's take Joe's call, and then we'll come back to the this- three steps to help clients 
Clarify Financial Plans. Joe, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can we help you this evening? Hi, thank you very much. I would like your opinion on the pros and cons of a fixed index annuity. Yeah, well, there's... um. It's a difficult question to answer the way you put it, but I can tell you a little bit, uh, depending on your situation. How old are you, Joe? Uh, 63. You're 63 years old. Are you married or single? Uh, Single. You're single. Okay. And are you still working or are you retired? I am not working, but I'm not retired. (laughs) (laughs) I've been retired by society. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, Do you know what your living expenses are approximately? On average, $4,000 a month. Okay. So we got $4,000 a month living expenses. And have you accumulated anything through your working years in the way of investments? I have an IRA at $280,000. All right. And I have unqualified at about one thirty-five thousand. Okay, all right. So we've got one hundred and thirty-five plus two eighty, two eighty, three eighty, four fifteen. All right. So we've got about four hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, and your expenses are running around four thousand a month. Right. Now, and one other thing, I do have rental income of a thousand a month. Okay, so that covers. Uh, Twelve thousand. Another. Well, the one thousand covers one of the four, so he's down to three thousand a month. Is what he's he's shy right Correct. now. All right. <clears throat> well, you have different ways that you can approach this. Let me ask you: Are you a person who has spending problems? What we call people who really have uh, uh, really difficult spending problems. I think what you're saying: Do I spend a lot? Um, no, I'm very. I'm a very good saver. Good. That's what I, well, I wanted to know, because the one thing about the annuity, it's very good for people that are spendthrifts. Let me say it this way. An annuity is, an, is a contract between you and an insurance company, and the contract says, I, the investor, agree to give you, the insurance company, 100% of my money if you, the insurance company, give me a guaranteed monthly income until I die. And I understand, I, the investor, that if I die one month after I get my first check, I lose and you keep everything. So that's the definition of an annuity contract. Now, we have to add on some other little bells and whistles. We have used those annuity contracts in rare cases, very rare, because it's designed to benefit the insurance company. That's called risk transfer. By definition, every insurance policy is legally risk transfer, and an annuity is an insurance policy. So, in this risk transfer, you're transferring the risk of running out of money, and we have used it when we've had a client who says, I've got a son, and I just know he's going to blow any money he gets. I'd like him to have a monthly check, and I don't care what happens to the principal. I don't want anything to go ahead and stop that monthly check. So that's the case that we've used it once or twice in my 33 years. That's when I've used them. Because I don't like them when the – it's like going to Las Vegas. You know the odds are stacked against you. So when you're dealing with an insurance company – they have designed it to make profit for themselves. They're not a charitable institution, of course. But we can then go ahead and add some bells and whistles on types of annuities. All right, There are index annuities where they say, well, 
if you want to wait until you start this contract, we can invest the money for you or you can choose in the following types of investments and then uh, it will have these kinds of bells and whistles. Right. That's what I'm looking at presently. Right. Uh, They are, in my opinion, they are probably one of the worst investments out there. The fees are extraordinarily high. And the uh, the administrators, actually, there are a number of, uh, of, of regulators that are looking at them because they are not very easily understood. If you meet, by the way, do you have a pen and pencil? Write down a pen or pencil. Write down my office number, 919-8727000. 919. 8727000. Right. And I've had a number of clients that have listened to our show and they've come to my office for an appointment and they brought their annuity proposal or their contract with them to see what it is they bought or what it is they're considering buying. And I will show you in the contract and in the prospectus all of the fees and the risks. The fees are extraordinarily high. They're one of the highest fees of any investment out there. Uh, and the risks are not very easily understood. So my first reaction is stay away from them. But on the other hand, for certain people, a fixed annuity will work. But that kind of person, before you give it up totally, because you're giving up your principal, you're giving up the right to any of it afterwards, I'd examine what other options are out there. Does that give you enough to get started on? It, it does. It does. Yeah, because as I said, you know, I don't know if you were listening to our show about uh, 20 minutes ago. We talked about a client who had come in uh, about oh, eight or 10 years ago. Similar portfolio he had, size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had similar portfolio, about a half million, just like you said. And he had started about eight or 10 years ago. And he came back last week. And he was supposed to be annuitizing his IRA portfolio, but it wasn't annuitizing because we didn't do an annuity. We used mutual funds. And instead of it depleting and going down and leaving nothing for his kids or his wife or whomever he wanted it to go to, it was actually holding its own and he will leave it all. So to to take the drastic move of agreeing that the insurance company is going to get everything to me is a last resort. So if you call my office, uh, Deborah, I think you'll be the one probably picking up the call, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, Deborah said she'll yes, be sir. the one. Yeah, she'll be the one receiving the call. She'll let you know what our appointment schedule is, what our fees are. We do charge by the hour. We give independent uh, fiduciary advice, and we will show you exactly what's inside and what could work for you. And Joe, any questions that you have regarding your situation, aside, you know, from this this issue about the annuity, uh, write them down or on the computer or however you want to do it, and um, and we'll be happy to address those particular questions when you come in. I also wanted to find out what is the value of the properties that you're getting rent rental from. It's about two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. Okay. Well, that's great. And uh, are there any children in the picture? No. No children. Awesome. Well, call us at the office, and if, uh, you know, if there's no other questions. I think, I hope that gives you a good start. Uh, 
as as Linda said, we want to look at everything. We don't just want to look at one thing. We'll look at your at your real estate. We'll look at your living expenses. We'll look at your goals, uh, and then we'll let you know what kind of options you've got. And then we'll look at the annuity contract. Did you already buy it, or are you thinking of buying one? No, I'm kind of on the last stages of making the decision. Well, before you sign on the contract, because it is irreversible, once you've signed on the contract, it's irreversible. By the way, they also have one of the highest commissions of any investment out there, which is why the regulators are looking at them. Uh, bring in the proposal. We'll be happy to go through the entire thing with you and show you what are the hidden fees, what are the commissions, and what are the risks and everything, and then you can make your own decision. Very good. I appreciate the help. Thank you very much. You're sure welcome. Thank you, Joe. Have a wonderful week. Thanks. You too. All right. Thank you for calling. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. So we were talking right before Joe's call came in about three steps to help clients clarify their financial plans. And we began by saying that there's no shortage of wealth management advice. But going through and getting the unconflicted advice and separating it from marketing pitches like annuity sales pitches and come join us for a free dinner or whatever it is, that's not so easy. That's right. So we came to three steps. Steps. That's right. We covered the first step, which is to identify the goals and the amount of money that you need to achieve those goals. Now, what's the second step, Deborah? All right. You need to focus more on risk allocation than on individual investments. Because when creating an asset allocation, you need to ensure all of your existing assets are incorporated in the strategy and assigned to an appropriate goal. The purpose of the asset will be reflected in which category it's assigned. For example, essential, necessary, these are different goals, and they may include insurance and a home. That's exactly why Linda just asked Joe, what other assets do you have? What about the value of those rental houses? And then we start bringing down assets into two categories. Are these use assets or are these investment assets? Very good. All right. Now, goal setting will provide an estimate of the money needed. Once the amount of money needed is known, then that can be a check to see if the goals can be obtained realistically. The investment strategy must then be structured with the current risk allocation. That's uh, whether it's a necessary and important or an aspirational to maximize the trade-offs, for instance, achieving essential goals with high certainty. So this is our second step. Now, what's the third step? Well, once the overall risk allocation is set, it's important to have a clear benchmark that reflects the role of the assets and the mix. Here, rebalancing of portfolios is important. Create customized benchmarks. Know what you're looking for and from when you are choosing managers. Because, Doug, as we always say, you're putting your hands, your money in the hands of managers, real people. So if the overall portfolio's goal is 7%, then most likely you need to choose managers who have track records of 7%. That's right. And the difference between an annuity approach where you just buy a product and that's mm. the end of the game. And what we're talking about here is we, we need to have an advisor, someone like a certified financial planner like you are, Deborah, like I am, that's actually staying on top of giving this advice and allocating and rebalancing and checking to see if you're, there, if you're coming along on your goal. The key to a successful long-term planning relationship 
leadership is crafting an understandable strategy that can clearly demonstrate how it's going to help you achieve your goals. That's exactly right. Something measurable. Have you seen the Lewis Financial Management website? It's easy to get to DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. Emily, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can we help you this evening? I will have about $125,000 from the sale of a house. And I wondered what could I best do with that money. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself, Emily. How old are you? 85. 85 years old. Are you married or single? I'm single at this time. All right. Uh, Tell me... uh, about your present investment portfolio, what does it look like? How much do you have in non-retirement investments? Uh, zero. <laughs> okay. How much do you have in uh, retirement investments? I have, is, uh, I have I I have money in real estate, and that's it. All right. So, how much money real, do you have real, in real, real estate? estate? Okay. So, tell me about your real estate. Well, it, it's all rented. Yes, ma'am. And what, what, what do you need to know how, about? how many pieces of property, and what's the value above the total estate? It's it's all it's all on one track of land. Yes, ma'am. It's uh, three buildings. Two buildings are to the same person, and then one is to to someone else. All right. Do you have any idea what the total value of them are? Uh, about a million dollars. All right. So and. Does that include your residence, or is that an idea? What, what about your residence? No, that does not include my residence. All right. When we add your residence, what's the value of the estate that the that you have then? Five hundred thousand dollars. Another five hundred plus that million. Uh-huh. Okay. So the first thing to tell you is that you do not have an estate tax problem, so we don't have to worry about that. Good. That's very good news for you. The second thing is this hundred and twenty-five thousand that you have right now from the sale. What was the property that sold? What was it? It was two hundred fifty thousand. Okay, I'm not clear. Are you talking, Doug? Are you asking uh, Ms. Emily if it's a a type of property like land or if it was a rental property? Yes. No, it was rental property, and and uh, I. What I'm actually getting out of it is 125000 I see, because you had a mortgage on it. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, well, if, the, if this is the only thing that you would have in your non-real estate, if this is all the investments that you would have, this 125000 then I think you should put it into some liquid type of investments. Now, personally, I think with – oh, I didn't ask you about the income that's coming in from the properties – uh, is it, it? I presume it's enough to cover your needs. Yes, it's, it's a little over five thousand dollars a month. All right, it's five thousand a month, and you also get Social Security, I imagine. Right. Mm-hmm. And how much is that? Uh, that's a thousand. All right, so you've got about six thousand a month coming in. My guess is that you're not spending six thousand a month on your living expenses. Is that is that yeah. correct? That's correct. Okay, so we've got one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars that you need to know how to invest. I would certainly not put it in anything else in real estate. Okay. I think I might go ahead and, by the way, do you have a pen? Write down my phone number. Nine one. Tell me when you're ready. Okay. Nine one nine eight seven two seven zero zero zero. Got it. And after we get off the call... 
call my office and uh, Deborah will probably tomorrow morning schedule an appointment to meet with us face to face so I can give you some actual specifics. But in general, the 125000 I think, should probably be in maybe four mutual funds. And I think, Doug, now, you made the biggest um, uh, right recommendation, which is liquidity. She needs to keep her money liquid into liquid investments. And with 125000 I think you could probably pick either three or four conservative mutual funds. I might pick a, a balanced fund. I might pick a uh, equity income fund. And I might pick a growth and income blue chip stock fund. But I think uh, if, uh, if, I, if, if I'm meeting with you face to face, I'll select and recommend for you which specific ones. But that's what I think you should do. Okay. Does that help? Uh, that, that does help. I know with no interest rates available now. You just have to be sure what you do with the money. <laughs> That's right. And uh, when you when we when we meet face to face in my office, then we're going to gather some more specific personal information, which I'm sure you don't want to talk about on the air. Okay. All right. Well, I've, I've got your number here. All right. Good. And, and we'll look forward so to much. getting together with you. Oh, you're so welcome. Absolutely. Bye-bye. And I look for. Okay. Bye bye. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. You know, Deborah, Linda, yes, sir? retirement planning and retirement investing is really all about one thing. And if I had to put it down into one word, I would say discipline. Yes, sir. Discipline, And I think that's the one thing that comes back time after time as keeping that discipline. And what we are often uh, commenting is why many people, my, many of our clients have hired us, is keeping that discipline. You know, we've met so many wonderful, wonderful people with Money Matters. And most of the folks that we have worked with have been diligently working taking care of their rental property, such as Joe has, you know, um, and they've exercised discipline. They have exercised discipline over their lifetime, and they they usually do have questions, right? Well, they do have questions, and their questions are very often going to be, how do I put my discipline or desire for discipline into achieving my goals? Because investing used to be so much fun. You love a company's product, you buy the stock, or maybe you saw a recommendation for a stock in the media, you jumped on board. Well, those were the good old days, good, clean fun. But face it, they're gone once you're about five years away from retirement, even more so once you're retired spontaneity needs to give way to discipline or else you may eventually find yourself running out of money and you don't want that to happen that's when retirement can become very very unpleasant that's right that's why retirement investing is so different it's no longer fun now it's a disciplined process you need to solve a multitude of questions and it's all in a world of uncertainty so many variables are up for grabs the market inflation your health longevity unforeseen family responsibilities the list goes on so little is actually known yeah see essentially retirement investing comes down to one thing discipline as much as possible you need to have the discipline in managing three key variables. First variable, 
your target investment return. Second is the investment risk. And the third variable, the interplay between your cash flow and your spending. And all three demand a disciplined process and nothing less. Give up your best guess mode of operation and grab a spreadsheet. Now you're playing for keeps. Let's briefly talk about a couple of these things. Okay, let's look at those three disciplines, okay, or three variables. First of all, target investment return. Forget the number, quote, quote, the amount that you need to accumulate. Your focus should be on generating a target investment return. Maybe you say, I want 7%, or I want 5%, or I want 8%, or I want 6%. You want a target investment return over a full market cycle, let's say five to seven years. All right. What's the first thing you should do, Doug? Well, you start by getting a financial plan. Okay. Then you hire us. (laughs) Don't sugarcoat the numbers. Be conservative. After you complete the financial plan, then you work backwards to determine the asset allocation needed to generate that target return. And in this endeavor... The disciplines here are threefold. All right. So we got three things. Create and annually update the financial plan. Determine and maintain your asset allocation. And exercise the discipline to actually generate the target return over a lifetime of market cycles. And these are principles with the College of Financial Planning, right? That's exactly what they are, Linda. Discipline is is the whole key. That's what we have learned over these years. Now we can go to risk, investment risk. So when you were young... Risk wasn't such a concern, but you could always make a comeback. Now that you're near retirement or already there, managing risk definitely becomes paramount. It's too difficult to come back from a major loss. And when you're taking withdrawals from a portfolio that has declined in value, the negative impact is compounded. That's why it is so important to manage downside risk. So you can have that kind of risk with your investments, but at the same time, you also face the risk of being too conservative, which might keep you from reaching your target return. As you can see, for example, if you say my target return is 8% and I want all my money in CDs, uh, (laughs) guess what? Right. (laughs) It's not going to work. Right. Uh, As you can see, retirement investing is a tightrope walk that demands a highly disciplined investment process, which can succeed in markets cycle after cycle through your entire lifetime. And then given the need for consistency, a disciplined approach is definitely worth considering. Now, what about the interplay between cash flow and spending? That was the third area, yes. Meeting a long-term target return to generate the cash flow you need is challenging enough. But suppose we raise the degree of difficulty by adding in the discipline of maintaining a level of spending that fits within your cash flow stream. The interplay between your cash flow and your spending is another difficult balancing act, demanding discipline on both levels. But the good news is that spending is the one lever that you can control. You determine a cash flow stream that can produce, that you can produce constantly, consistently, and set up a spending goal that fits comfortably within it. We just worked with all of our clients to adjust their living expenses to equal their guaranteed income and their predictable income from their investments. And then we're letting them go ahead and do something else with regard to the uh, discretionary income items. 
But with solving for this whole multivariable equation, it may be the greatest financial challenge that you face in life. That's right. Don't trust these decisions to chance. Hire the right advisor. Give us a call at Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000, and let us help you create a sensible plan and execute it consistently because a disciplined process will go a long way toward giving you peace of mind and enjoyable retirement. And this is what we've heard from so many of our clients. Isn't that right, Linda? In the last few decades. Yes, indeed. You know, everybody knows somewhere along the way there's got to be discipline. We have two types two types of clients that have come to us. Those that are already, I'll use the term loosely, addicted to discipline. They like <laughs> Right. <laughs> they just have great habits. Right. All right. And they've looked for some way to apply this personality trait of theirs to the world of investing and financial independence feasibility. That's yes, one type indeed. of client. Mm-hmm. Then we have the others that say, I could never have any disciplines. I need somebody to help me get these disciplines in place and stay on top of it and watch it for me so that I can just have the peace of mind to do what I want to do. I'm thinking of those wonderful clients of ours that just float around on that sailboat of theirs and they go down to Costa Rica and they will periodically call us back and say, how's everything doing? Is everything on right, target? Right, right, right. <laughs> and it, t- it, it doesn't take the client having to have a certain, it takes them hiring the right plan or someone to be with them every step of the process. I think that's why people like us a lot because we are disciplined. Yes. We definitely have discipline in every aspect of Lewis Financial Management. Discipline is the number one uh, benchmark that I have in every aspect of our company. I think clients recognize that. That's true. There, there are definitely principles that have been set forth by the College of Financial Planning, and we have implemented those traditional principles in every aspect of financial planning that we provide for all of our clients. And it doesn't matter if you're just starting out, maybe you're a college graduate and you just have gotten your first job and you need to make a decision. Should I participate in my company's 401k? And what are the choices I should make That's about right. what's in the portfolio? But there again, you may have been working for years and maybe you've just been downsized from your company. That's exactly right, Linda. You have questions and we have answers and we can help you. You have to remember that it's your future. Now, by the way, when you call to schedule an appointment this week and do write the number down, the number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. We will be giving you one of three free books, either The Wealthy Barber, The Middle Class Millionaire, or Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth. And of course, remember our website, DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. Make sure you go there, and we're looking forward to meeting with you. You have to always remember, your money matters because your financial future is at stake. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com. And listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.